The Sooners head to Ames and hand Iowa State their worst loss since 2019, but what does it really mean? We'll discuss that as well as look ahead to the Baylor game. You're listening to the Mainline Podcast. I'm Adam Jacquez, joined by co-host Tyler Burton, Corbin Polson. Guys, how are we feeling? Good. Two wins in a row. Let's keep this thing going. Uh, like I said, r- really good weekends. Um, made, made the trip out to Denver. Uh, for the weekend, so excited to be back up there in a couple more weeks. Uh, being neighbors with Corbin didn't even uh, let me finally. know. Didn't even let didn't me know. Even, it was it was a spur of the moment. I got into town late, late Friday night, and then it was a quick turnaround. Got a lot of stuff done on Saturday and Sunday. Made the trip back to Oklahoma City on Sunday night at around ten thirty p.m. But yeah, it was a good trip, guys. Adam, I hate to tell you this, but uh, you're about to be the lone member of this podcast living in the state of Oklahoma. So. Uh, it's going to be a two-on-one advantage in favor of the state of Colorado. I'm not sure what that means, but good for you, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> is It is a huge advantage. Uh, Ty, did you do anything fun while you were out here? Just out of sheer curiosity, since I didn't know you uh, were out here. Went to a Halloween costume party uh, on Saturday night. Uh, dressed, dress up as a, dressed up as a member of the Average Joes, or about 15 of us, uh, nice. sporting the Average Joes, Joes costume. So did that. Spent all day Sunday getting a few things moved into the new apartment. So Adam, we'll talk a little bit more off air uh, about this. But yeah, <laughs> excited about it. Oklahoma's 5-3, and three, two games in a row, uh, winning in the Big 12. So let's move on to Baylor. Guys, before yep. we hop into it, any – I know for – people were recording on Tuesday any major takeaways from the initial college football playoff rankings I was surprised Texas was ranked were they I had no <laughs> idea I paid zero attention <laughs> yeah. to it because I just don't like want to 24 think about the playoffs really yeah they are, they are 24 yeah it makes it makes no difference at this point right now I mean one with Oklahoma not being in contention I really don't care as much as I usually do but I mean, they got it right, I think, for the most part, at least in the top three, Tennessee being number one, best mm-hmm. resume, best win in college football. Uh, can't deny that, but you, <laughs> Josh Heupel is probably pissed off right now at the at the playoff committee chairman, uh, putting them at number one, two spots ahead of Georgia as they go to Athens this weekend. Kirby Smart's probably licking his chops, loving the fact that he can use that as a motivating factor for his team. But, yep. yeah, I don't really have any gripes about it. TCU being at seven. It's weird. Um, it, we knew it was going to happen. We did. I can we see it. It's, we're, we're a year to date from all of us looking at the uh, the playoff rankings live for the first week last year and our jaws hitting the floor that an undefeated Oklahoma came in at eight to start that off. So if, if OU's coming in at eight undefeated, I don't think we should be that surprised that TCU's coming in at seven. I don't know. It's just the justification that that they try to give when placing teams uh, in the positions that they are in. I, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't matter. It's November first. We've got five yeah. more weeks of this thing to go. But um, I was hoping for that one versus two matchup this weekend in Athens. But one versus three is not bad at all. So we'll we'll talk about that here once we get to betting picks. But Adam, you were the only one in attendance uh, up in Ames at Jack Trice Stadium over the weekend. How was the environment? How was the game? Yeah, it was pretty good. Uh, they're set up a lot like Kansas State, if anyone's been to a game there. A fellow ag school, and it's just surrounded by parking lots, uh, essentially, on most sides of the stadium there. So there is a really nice. good tailgating. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. there's a really good tailgating scene. I mean, OU would have that if there was just a parking nearby, and there really isn't. So um, they could do some things to, to help tailgating. We've, we won't get into that. That was, you know, <laughs> that's a whole thing. But it was still a still pretty good atmosphere. It, it's kind of weird because... They're, they're having a down year, but 
traditionally this is kind of what Iowa State is, is not that great of a team. But Mm -hmm. their fans were there. They were engaged. Um, They got loud on third down, but they kind of knew that, like, yeah, this is just kind of a throwaway year. So um, it was still good. It's it's always interesting to to go out and see other environments. And you do start appreciating a lot of things in Norman, Um, you know, just the bigger scoreboards, the, the more info, the more interesting things happening during the timeouts, believe it or not. Um, so there's just a lot of things that you start appreciating once you get outside of Norman, start realizing how most other college football fans, uh, live outside of, uh, you know, those really, really, uh, wealthy blue bloods. So, um, definitely interesting, but overall kind of a snoozer of a game really. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely a snoozer. I mean, it's not like what we've grown accustomed to with a lot of big 12, um, offenses with the point production that we've seen over the past few years. But I mean, that's kind of to be expected. Iowa state's offense, we talked about it in last week's episode, Hunter Decker's kind of being turnover prone, not really having uh, any true playmakers outside of Xavier Hutchinson. But, you know, guys, you you go to Ames on Saturday, you get a win. You go plus two in the turnover margin. You dominate the running game on both sides of the football. Oklahoma outrushed Iowa State 182-66, to made some big plays on special teams. I believe Zach Schmidt, the OU kicker, outscored Iowa State's team by himself. So, with uh, we knew that Oklahoma special teams, you know, with Venables being back, with you know Lincoln Riley being gone, now we knew that there was going to be an emphasis put on special teams. That being a bigger playing a bigger factor uh, in the game. But and like you said, you know, you score a special teams touchdown, the the fake field goal. Um, Schmidt goes perfect two for two, and then uh, obviously Michael Turk, you know, with two punts over sixty yards. So that's a huge weapon that Oklahoma has at its disposal, uh, especially when it comes to uh, playing the field position battle. Yeah, that was key. Um, the special teams was as good as Marvin Mims was bad. I think that's an accurate statement. Um, guys, are we concerned about the yips for the rest of the season from Mar- Marvin Mims, or was this a, uh, a one-off? Uh, well, I have to ask, were we wrong about Marvin Mims coming into the year? Because we looked question. back at 2021 and, and probably even 2020 and said, well, he was just misused. He wasn't really a, a focal part of the game plan. Um, but this year, I think he's he's been getting a healthy dose of targets. He's clearly the number one guy, but he's definitely up and down. Um, mm-hmm. And he is on te- on track uh, statistically to have his best year. He's got 558 yards right now. 705 is uh, the high uh, form that he he got last year. Only three touchdowns this year, but it's just like man, some games he's there and some games he's not. And I'm starting to wonder if that was maybe more of a him thing and not necessarily a Lincoln Riley thing. I feel like Marvin's a guy who. <laughs> probably does a, a good job of getting open and getting in space. And if he's open, obviously he's going to make quite a few catches. He doesn't seem like a guy who can go up and make a contested catch consistently. And I think that that is a glaring weakness in his game. And so I think as we start looking forward to next season, are we convinced he's not here? I'm not. I am. He's gone. Really? In my opinion. Yeah, I think uh, so. Somewhere else or to the draft? <clears throat> Uh, I think he goes to the draft. Um, but like, I think he, what is he at best? Like a third or fourth round pick, probably. I think at best, probably yeah, a day maybe late day two, probably day three type of type of guy. But I mean, at, the, at this point, I'm, I mean, he's not going to wow with the measurables. Like he's not going to be a draft day or a combine guy that rises no. on the boards because he's going to have to no. put it on film, and that's one thing I think is lacking. I'm not pressing the panic button on him whatsoever. I mean, it was. I think it was kind of a one-off. Uh, it, honestly, yeah. I think it kind of seems sometimes like he he he's pressing at times. Like he's just he has such an urge. He wants to be able to make the big play. I mean, you know, Adam, you I think you sent me a Snapchat of it. You know, right there at the very beginning, he t- catches that ball in the first play. He scores. 
I think he runs away from the Iowa State defense, and Oklahoma's up seven uh, nothing well, after the first play. That one doesn't count anyway. Uh, you know, that's true, line. but yeah. But I mean, I, I think that you know, as as poor as Marvin Mims played on Saturday, I think the one you know one good thing that you can take away from that on the flip side is you got a good performance out of Jaleel Farouk with four catches for seventy four yards and a touchdown, making a couple of highly contested catches on the Iowa State sideline. That was good to see. And then you got to see you know Drake Stoops continue to get involved. Brain Willis had a couple of catches that kept the drive moving. You know Zach Schmidt one catch, two yards, one touchdown. That's a pretty good touchdown uh, to catch ratio. But yeah, I thought it was good to. See, I, I I would expect Marvin Mims this weekend uh, to bounce back in a big way as the Sooners return home to take on Baylor. Let's hope so because you're going to need all the firepower you can. I, you know, in this game, you didn't necessarily need it. You could get away with uh, Marvin Mims having three, four drops, whatever it was. I think he had probably two touchdowns that he dropped, even with mm-hmm. that holding call, um, probably bringing one of them back. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you, you just can't you can't rely on or you can't. You can't have that happen against teams that are going to get tougher on the schedule. Yeah. Um, We'll stay here one final thing on the offense before we flip over to the Ted Roof side of the ball. But I think on Saturday, guys, it was really good to see this Oklahoma offensive line continue to build upon the performance that we saw from Kansas before the bye week, you know, against this Iowa State defense that ranked number one in the Big 12 uh, in total defense and, you know, top 15 nationally. Iowa State was allowing just 105 yards per game on the ground, and Oklahoma was able to rack up 186 of them, led by Eric Gray, who, guys, Eric Gray's putting together a pretty solid year. That was his fifth uh, 100-yard game of the season. So you liked we, – we said going up to, to Ames that uh, would Oklahoma be able to run the football against this rush three drop a defense that has kind of plagued this OU offense over the last three to four seasons. So I think that if you're Jeff Levy and you're Dylan Gabriel and you're all five members of that offensive line, knowing who's coming to Norman this weekend, you know, led by – uh, that six foot four, three hundred and sixty pound nose tackle that Baylor's got in Siaki Ike. Uh, Oklahoma should feel confident this weekend that they can run the football, and they're going to have to do so to take on the Bears. I think for as, as excited and um, maybe surprised is a good word for how Eric Gray's been over the last few weeks. Maybe equally as disappointing in the rest of that running back room. I get Javante Barnes wasn't uh, you know in Ames, but Marcus Major, no real spark. Yeah. Can't seem to run the ball without Eric Gray, guys. If this is a if this is a one horse, uh, you know, machine, I do worry about Baylor because I, I do think uh, that's their their defense is still pretty solid. So yeah, I, I worry. Hopefully, Javante Barnes is back, but mm-hmm. you would like to see more from Marcus Major. Maybe he's not fully healthy. Maybe that's the answer. But I mean, this team could not run the ball without Eric Gray out there on uh, last Saturday. And he was in that injury tent for a really long time. I was Got sitting you. there, yeah, I was sitting there watching it the entire time, like thinking, "Man, he's in there forever." And yeah. the offense stalled uh, when he yep. wasn't out on the field. So between that, between Marvin Mims dropping a couple passes, this game probably should have been more like yeah. a thirty-eight to thirteen type of a win that you felt really, really good about. Uh, maybe even worse than that if the defense gets a couple fourth down stops, uh, but it wasn't the case, and so you're not going to get away with those types of um, you know performances against Baylor. You have to, you know, be on your A game. Marcus Major, you have to have, you know, Javante Barnes healthy in my opinion. Uh, but Major hasn't looked like the same guy since, you know, the competition level has stepped up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No pun intended in a major way, but uh, I, yeah, he's just not effective in that second string right now. I know that the stat sheet doesn't wow you when you look at Dylan Gabriel's numbers over the weekend, 15 of 26 for 148 yards and one touchdown. I mean, he did have three drops uh, from Marvin Mims on Saturday, so that's going to affect the completion percentage. But overall, did you guys 
feel like Dylan played pretty well against this John Hecock Iowa State defense. I mean, doing just enough, you know, for Oklahoma, you know, to to win. But you know, they, it, Dylan Gabriel's job got made a whole lot easier with Oklahoma being able to successfully and consistently run the football. I think the past two games we've seen a considerable improvement in Dylan Gabriel's game, even though the numbers didn't show it last Saturday. You don't know what you're not seeing? Crazy overthrows, especially to guys that are wide open. I think it was to Jaleel. It was a big third down, I want to say third or fourth quarter, on a little out route, and we've seen that multiple times this year where he's overthrown that or the pass has been behind, and it was right on the money. And it was almost like a breath of fresh air because that's what we've been clamoring for. Dylan hasn't been bad all year long, but he's missed some really key throws, and he did make the key throws for the most part last Saturday. So, yeah, I think you're spot on, Tyler. The numbers aren't going to wow you, but I do think um, he's making the throws that you would expect a high-caliber quarterback and a Power 5 uh, team would would make. Yeah, and I Adam, think he was deliberate with the ball too. Like yeah. we saw in past years, whether it be Radler or Caleb Williams or whoever, just kind of sitting back there. Even if the protection was really good, they just sit there and sit there and sit there and they can't find the guy that's open. Gabriel wasn't really doing that. He was finding his guy. He knew where he was going with the ball. The offense moved you know, more effectively, in my opinion. It may not have been for 20-yard chunks. It may have been three, four yards at a time, even in the passing game, but it just felt like more in rhythm throughout the entire game. Mm-hmm. Adam, talk to me a little bit about, um, with obviously you being in the stadium at the game, talk to me a little bit about the Oklahoma defensive performance because, in my opinion, I thought that this was probably um, Ted Roof's group's best overall performance since the Nebraska game. You know, three interceptions. Uh, let's be realistic. It was probably only two, but Woody will give you three. I can't believe they didn't I enter. I don't know how that was. How did they, did they do that, Adam? Because they didn't no. show it on TV. Yeah, I was watching the guy on the sideline, the replay guy, and he was standing over there and I was like, they're going to come back from commercial break and then they're going to go review it. And I was like, that's typical make it slow type of production. But no, nothing happened. And I was like, you guys were texting me the whole time. I couldn't see it on the video board. I was so confused by that. But yeah, the the defense in general, like I'm not buying it still. Mm-hmm. I, I think their running <laughs> plays were so slow to develop. Um, just watching that in person real time. I was kind of low on the one end in the visitor section there. And I'm just watching it going, man, that 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 handoff to the running back, him getting to the line of scrimmage, it was so, so slow um, the way that developed. And I think it played, it helped out this defense a lot. So I, I still can't buy this defense right now. I, I'm... I'm a little bit kind of in the middle because on one hand I took the over in this game because I was such a non-believer in this defense. I was like, I've seen this story before Iowa state, not a good offense. And they go up and they put up 40. I've seen it before. I know this is going to happen and it didn't. And so I think on that front, and you need to be pleased with the defensive performance because I think they did what they were supposed to do last weekend outside of, I think, probably one or two plays. I know the Danny Stutzman touchdown given up, that was just atrocious, um, but he did make up for it. You know, I think a drive or two later with the interception. So I think there's still more to be desired from, but that Iowa State offense is so bad. I don't mm-hmm. think you can, I don't think you can confidently feel like this defense has made strides forward. Um, to an extent. Now, I will say, I think Deshaun White's coming on. I think he's mm-hmm. really started to submit himself as an impact player. But for the rest of the defense, I mean, Key Lawrence stocked down, to be honest. Um, I'm trying to think who else is out there that had made any plays. Justin Burrell's maybe stock up. Eat it, Tyler. Um, you know, so... <laughs> But but I th- I think some of the, the key contributors that we thought were going to step up and make significant strides this year haven't really been there. 
I think that this was the perfect opponent at the perfect time for this Oklahoma defense. Um, I think that, especially from a confidence standpoint, uh, mm-hmm. we knew coming out of the Kansas game this that this defense played pretty well in spurts, but they weren't able to put a four you know four quarter game together of good defense. And I think that in this matchup, obviously Iowa State is very limited on what they're able to do uh, offensively because of the quarterback position, because of the lack of talent out on the perimeter outside of Xavier Hutchinson, but. I think that it was a it was a really it was really good to see because Oklahoma did exactly what they were supposed to to do in this one. They were able to stop the running game, hold Iowa State under seventy total yards rushing. They were able to create turnovers, uh, which is something that you're going to have to be able to do on the back end of this uh, schedule. But to me, guys, the Iowa State rushing attack that we saw on Saturday is by far is by far worse than anything that Oklahoma is going to see over the next four games to close out the regular season. So. Yeah. But again, even though the competition is going to get better, and it starts with Baylor on Saturday, and we can talk about them here in just a second, but I think that in terms of what Oklahoma's been able to do in the front seven particularly over the last couple of games, that's got to give this group a lot of confidence going into the last four games of this uh, this regular season. It was encouraging to see them do what they should have done to <laughs> a bad offense. I mean, even with the bad defenses that we've had in Norman, we haven't always necessarily seen that. Hunter Decker's he's just not the guy like there were so many incompletions on short passes that should have been completed. That should have been easy completions. He just wasn't able to hit those. Mm -hmm. So the defense did get lucky. I would have liked to have seen uh, a lot more uh, sacks um, because I don't think he was super mobile inside the pocket. Once he got out there, he had some speed, but yeah, there were so many times where it's like, man, you got to finish that play. You have to finish that rush and, and take down a guy that's not super, super nimble in the pocket. So would like to see, see that definitely improve. And yeah, I, yeah, I, I just can't buy it though. It felt like Iowa state made it almost too easy for this defense, but at the same time, I think a big challenge for this team and we saw it happen in that TCU game is once they get mentally beat, it really snowballs on them. And it was several weeks of that. And so now you've got, you know, a, a game against Kansas that despite giving up a ton of points felt a little bit better. Now you've got a game against Iowa state where I think you held them to what their third lowest, I guess fourth lowest. I'm looking at their schedule right now. They haven't scored very many points, but you held them to what you should have probably. So you start feeling really good about that. Can that mental edge kind of come back so we can see them really attack like they did in those first three games of the season against Baylor? I think one of my favorite parts about this podcast that we do is, I mean, we we keep it real. We call it how we see it 99% of the time, but I think that um, that – Maybe it's been unfair criticism, but I know that I've been particularly hard on what we've seen from the Oklahoma defense, you know, through the first nine or eight, nine weeks of the season. But, you know, guys, outside of the 28 yard um, Hunter Decker scramble, and then, of course, giving up the fourth and 10, fourth and 11 conversions on the same drive, I, I, I liked what I saw from this Oklahoma defense on Saturday. So um, there is one thing, though, and I know that you guys will, will agree with me on this through five Big 12 games. This Oklahoma defense has only gotten three sacks, so um, I don't care who you're playing. That is unacceptable at a place like Oklahoma with the talent that we have, even though it's not as talented as what uh, what we would expect at a place like Oklahoma. With the guys that are in that room and with the defensive mind that we've got leading this group, uh, three sacks in five Big 12 games, that is, uh, that is absolutely unacceptable, and we'll see if we can uh, get things a little bit better this weekend going up against Blake Shapin. I'll, I'm curious to your guys' thoughts on this. I feel like this game on Saturday is two teams with a very um, similar season so far, right? Like 
I think OU got off to a hot start. I think Baylor did to an extent. Obviously, got tough loss up in Provo against BYU. Kind of regained their footing. Then you lose uh, to Oklahoma State. Kind of handled in that game. Lose to West Virginia on the road. Now you bounce back with a couple wins. Does that sound familiar? Because to me, it sounds pretty familiar um, with kind of what this team has been in Norman so far. So mm-hmm. this is kind of a crossroads of two teams with a, at this point, probably a similar trajectory of where their potential season could end up. And this is the crossroads of who actually meets that and who continues to kind of fall back to the pack. So I think this is a a pretty big game just for the remainder of the season for both of these squads. Am I wrong in thinking there's a lot of overlap here? I no, I agree with you. And I was kind of looking at Baylor's schedule so far. Yeah. They've played Iowa State. They've played Oklahoma State, West Virginia, Kansas, and Texas Tech in conference. That's probably the softest conference schedule for any team so far. Oklahoma State really exactly. the only test there. They lost to them at home. They lost to West Virginia on the road. Morgantown's tough. They they yeah. played, I think, the second half of that game with their backup quarterback. So, you know, it happens. But is OU the best team that they will have faced out of everyone's – or the second best out after Oklahoma State? I mean, did you uh, want BYU? After, it, that that BYU's, I think BYU lost to Liberty. Yeah, I think Oklahoma, <laughs> yeah, State, Oklahoma State and BYU today are a lot different than when Baylor played. Them. I don't think either team yeah. is as good. Clearly, not Oklahoma mm-hmm. State. They are, they've got a ton of injuries. They're not okay. Spencer Sanders didn't even finish the game last week. I don't know if that's a significant injury or not. I don't think it is. But th- those both of those schools are drastically different today than what they are. So I would put OU as like the third best team. But you catch West Virginia at home when their offense is humming. I don't know. I mean, you could say West Virginia is better than OU. Um, so you know, who's the uh, who's the best team in the Big Twelve right now? TCU. It's easy. TCU. Yeah. K-State had a great game, but you have to remember what they did before that, and the fact that they're probably going to go back to Adrian Martinez, who may have a lower ceiling than Will Howard, which is weird to say considering and, how bad he was in years past. And they're an underdog at home against Texas. Explain that to me, please. I don't know. Outs- outside of Texas coming off of a bye, there's no possible explanation, in my opinion, how that could justify them being in a two-and-a-half-point favorite on the road of Manhattan. Vegas just, knows something. Yeah, I know. I'm, Anytime I'm, a line is that obviously weird, Vegas thinks Texas is going to win. Yeah. Number twenty four, we'll Texas. Number we'll see. Texas is a right. Well, guys, matchup. let's uh, let's t- let's dive into Baylor here. Uh, uh, the Baylor Bears five and three on the year, three and two in Big Twelve play with losses to Oklahoma State and West Virginia. We all remember that crazy Thursday night game that they had up in Morgantown. Tough loss for the Bears, but after that two game skid, they've rebounded to, to win their last two impressively against Kansas and on the road against Texas Tech. So, you know, guys, we say it week in and week out um, for for this conference this year, but Oklahoma is going to have their hands full. Uh, at 2 o'clock on Saturday. This is a very good, very disciplined, tough, well-coached football team that Dave Aranda is bringing to Norman on Saturday. Uh, and, guys, let's uh, do what we want to start when OU has the football or when Baylor does because uh, this is going to be a tough one for Oklahoma to to, uh, to to take care of on Saturday. I do not feel good about this at all. Let's choose optimism and uh, go with when OU has the ball here. There okay. is no optimism. Okay. When <laughs> Oklahoma has the football, let's talk about the Baylor defense here just a little bit. Uh Baylor defense in the Big 12 this year, not quite like what we've seen statistically or as dominant from a Dave Aranda coach defense. They are giving up over 28 points a game. But guys, when Baylor has played Oklahoma each of the last two years, 
with Dave Aranda as the uh, the defensive mind and the head coach. Baylor's defense has held Oklahoma to under 20 points and under 300 total yards in each of the last two matchups. So for me in this game, when uh, for Oklahoma to have success moving the football, for them to be able to put up points, um, I mean, it's as simple as it is each and every week in college football. you got to be able to run the football. Mm-hmm. And for me, the biggest matchup in this game, which is kind of going to be strength on strength, um, is going to be Oklahoma's offensive line going against Baylor's defensive line. Now, uh, Baylor is going to do a lot of things, very multiple in their looks on the defensive side of the football, but there's one thing that really concerns me, as well as Oklahoma's offensive line has played each of the last two games. It's how is Oklahoma going to defend uh, how are they going to block those three guys up front? It starts with the nose guard, six foot four, three hundred fifty-eight pounder, number sixty-two, Siaki Ika. Um, Andrew Ramos had problems with this guy each of the last two years. We'll we'll be able to see if he's able to take a step forward this weekend and hold up on the interior. And then, guys, Wanya Morris and Anton Harrison. I think that this matchup outside of Texas. I think that this is probably going to be the most athletic set of defensive ends that Oklahoma has faced up to this point in the season. Six foot five, six foot six. One guy, TJ Franklin's weighing in at 265 pounds. Number 95, Gabe Hall on the other side, six foot six, 296, pretty quick off of the edge. So if Oklahoma is going to have any chance to win this game on Saturday, they've got to be able to run the football, uh, particularly outside running. Um, and guys, I just don't know. I really don't know if Oklahoma is going to be able to do that if they're going to be able to out-physical Baylor at the point of attack on Saturday. That's the matchup for me. Yeah, I mean, this Baylor team hasn't given up over 170 yards of rushing all year, I believe. I'm quickly taking a look at the stats, including, I think, three or four games where they've held opponents under um, 100 yards rushing, which is fine for the Albanese and the Texas States. But when you're doing that to, I believe, Kansas, and let me see, was it BYU was the other one I saw? BYU, 83 yards. Yeah, it's going to be a huge challenge. And so I think to counter your point, Tyler, my gut says this team won't be able to run the ball overly successful. So can Dylan Gabriel go win a game with his arm? Can he do that? We've yet to see it this year where he has gone out and simply won a game with his arm, in my opinion, where it hasn't been more of a balanced offense. That's going to be the big question for me because I don't think running the ball consistently is going to be available. So can he go win it with his arm? We're about to find out. To play the flip side of that, Kansas came into town with the number one ranked rush defense in the Big 12, and OU ran all over them. So maybe Kansas wasn't really that good, but it still happened. So I I think OU will have some success. I would really feel a lot better if we knew Javante Barnes was going to be healthy for this matchup because Mm -hmm. then you do have a legitimate one-two punch there, and you can start wearing down that defense over time. If you just have Eric Gray and Marcus Major, I lose a lot of confidence there. So I, I hope that Jeff Lebby, he got a little bit predictable, I think, in that Iowa State game, especially in the third, you know, middle of the third into the middle of the fourth quarter, where it became essentially pass on first down, incomplete, run on second down, pick up two yards, and then all of a sudden you're in third long. And, and OU really needs to stay out of third and long um, in, in this game, I think, to be able to stay on the field. That's going to be super important. And one thing that I think helped a ton against Iowa State was the offense was staying on the field. They ran with some pace, but they were also pretty close in time of possession. They were still under what Iowa State had, but that's been a challenge for this <clears throat> offense all year in regards to helping out their defense, and I think that's going to be key. I think another thing that's going to be important for Oklahoma in terms of them trying to run the football on Saturday, of course, like I mentioned, the three-down line and the Baylor's going to trot out there. But for me, 
for, you know, as good as Eric Gray has been this year and, you know, Javante Barnes, he's flashed at times, but I think for Oklahoma to be successful in the running game on Saturday, you've got to figure out a way to get one, if not two of your offensive linemen up into the second level. Because for me, I know that, um, you know, Oklahoma fans should be very familiar. He's a guy that's been on campus in Waco for a long, long time. That's their fifth-year senior linebacker, number five, Dylan Doyle, fantastic player. Oklahoma fans will want to pay attention to number five on Saturday. He's complimented uh, next to him by number two, Matt Jones. But, you know, as good as Eric Gray has been, he's still not a guy that I would trust to to run in between the tackles, you know, 10, 15, 20 times a game. So Oklahoma's going to have to be able to get their linemen up into the second level, make things a little bit easier for them so that it forces Baylor's safeties to be in a one-on-one situation where they've got to, they've got to make a tackle against Oklahoma running backs out in space. But uh, th- this is going to be a, a big test for Oklahoma and, you know, Marvin Mims dropped three balls, one of which was going to go for a touchdown last week against this Dave Aranda defense. You you can't afford to have multiple drops. You've got to cash in on the big plays down the field. You've got to be able to haul in one or two of those deep balls that Dylan Gabriel has thrown extremely well each of the last couple of weeks. So it's going to be a big test for uh, for OU when they're on offense on Saturday. Definitely. Let's, tra- let's transition, Tyler. What are you looking at on the defensive side of the ball come Saturday? This side of the ball scares me even more in the matchup against Baylor. Baylor's offense has been impressive, guys, all year long, led by second-year offensive coordinator Jeff Grimes. In conference play so far this year or this season, the Bears are averaging just over 35 points per game, 457 total yards of offense, around 180 to 105 uh, rushing yards per game. And, guys, one one scenario that's going to be extremely critical for this Oklahoma defense on Saturday is forcing Baylor – to get off the field on third downs. Baylor right now ranks third in the Big 12, converting at about 46% on third downs. If Baylor is even remotely close to 46% or above on Saturday, OU has no chance to win this game unless they just force a handful of turnovers. So when Baylor's got the football, Everybody likes to talk about a team's quarterback, and you know, rightfully so. Blake Shapin, 67% uh, completion on the year, roughly 255 uh, yards per game, nine touchdowns, four interceptions, not bad. But guys, the big storyline going into this matchup for Oklahoma is how does the Oklahoma front seven handle that veteran Baylor offensive line and running back Richard Reese, who's kind of been kind of an unsung uh, hero in terms of you know the the. I guess the playmakers in the Big 12. We all talk about Deuce Vaughn. We all talk about B. John Robinson. But statistically, this true freshman that that Baylor's got running the rock right now, uh, 5'9", 175 pounds. He's third in the Big 12 in rushing yards, over 110 a game, 12 touchdowns. Not the biggest guy in the world by any means is Richard Reese, but he runs big, really comes downhill, runs behind the runs behind his pads, and he's comfortable carrying the workload for this Baylor offense. I think he had 31 carries two weeks ago against Kansas, so they're not afraid to hand the ball to this freshman uh, for him to carry the workload against Baylor. Or yeah, for Baylor, this, I'm sorry. Yeah, this scares me a lot. I know there's been some talk about Blake Shapin being maybe a little bit more erratic than some people would like, but he's, in my opinion, from what I've watched, he's a clear upgrade over uh, Gary Bohannon. Um, he has five interceptions on the year, so I wouldn't necessarily consider him turnover prone. This defense in OU has has gotten their hands on some lately. Uh, they finally are starting to turn their heads, so maybe that could be the difference in the game if they're able to create some turnovers there, but how much is he actually going to have to throw the football? Because I think if, Jeff, uh, if, if Grimes has his way, he's just going to lean on Richard Reese the whole game, and I don't have a ton of faith in this OU defense that we know is soft right in the middle to be able to slow him down. I, I kind of feel the same way 
that I mentioned about OU's offense as I do Baylor's. Because you're right, 31 carries against Kansas, 36 carries against Texas Tech, two big games by this freshman running back. If you're OU, that has to be priority number one. So if you come into the game thinking lean and lean, you know, heavy into the box, do you trust Shapin's arm to go win the game? And so this may come down to maybe not which quarterback has the best overall game, but which quarterback can make the key throws throughout the game that really do make a difference. Um, and I have no freaking clue which one's going to be able to make those <laughs> throws because both both quarterbacks, while they've had good games, have had moments that really do scratch your head. We'll figure it out on Saturday. Jeff Grimes does a really good job of easing Blake Shapin um, uh, kind of into the flow of the game, using a lot of different formations, motions, plays. Um, Baylor's very multiple in what they try to do. A lot of outside run zone schemes, screen passes. They'll even throw some sc- uh, screen passes to the tight end in certain situations, slants across the middle, uh, and then, of course, deep balls to Hal Presley. But um, here's your length and girth report uh, for the podcast, oh guys. But one of the things that, to me, is why – I'm picking Baylor to to win this game, and obviously we'll get into score predictions here in a minute. It's because Oklahoma's defensive line um, over the course of Big 12 play, like I mentioned, three sacks in five games. You go down the list of who uh, Baylor's going to be trotting out there, uh, the big boys up front, veteran offensive line, um, just guys, listen to this, 6'7", 6'5", 6'2", 6'4", 6'5", 302, 331, 300, 312, 314. Big boys, a lot of beef up front. You've got a fifth-year senior, two six-year seniors, a sophomore. Oh, and by the way, the captain up front leading the uh, the offensive charge, Jacob Gall, six-year senior, played a lot of football for Baylor. So Oklahoma has not been able uh, against elite competition to uh, hold up and run protection to get after the quarterback. Oklahoma is going to have to play their best game of the season in the front seven. And guys, my last little thing on this, What's been the biggest kryptonite to Oklahoma's linebackers so far this year, particularly Danny Stutzman and David Aguebu? It's been motion. It's been misdirection that's forced them to hesitate and not react to and not react to the football. So Baylor is going to do a lot of things pre-snap. They're going to do a lot of misdirection. You're going to see a lot of left. You're going to see a lot of guard tackle pulls. It's going to be pivotal for Oklahoma to contain the edge and for their guys to be able to get off blocks. That way, it frees up twenty-eight and two to be able to come downhill and make plays. Before we move on to bets, I think it is worth mentioning the game being on ESPN Plus, 2 p.m. kickoff time, which uh, because it's on ESPN Plus, that means OU set the game time. That's the game time that they preferred, Mm -hmm. which is a pretty awesome time for fans. (laughs) I, unfortunately, will be in a wedding that starts at 3 o'clock that day. Am am I allowed to object to the wedding to like stall it out to to watch the game? Like, What is my game plan here? Are you you're in the wedding? I'm a groomsman. Okay. Uh, Bluetooth earpiece, right ear. That way the crowd can't see you. That's the way to go. And what was this the bride or the groom that decided to schedule this weekend on a Saturday in the fall? It's got to be the bride. It, it's in Virginia, it's so they be. clearly don't live in football culture there. Well, we'll see. I, my my sympathies my, for you, though. My wedding's on a Sunday. There's a reason. Smart I'm man. Saying. Yep. Smart I'm man. Saying. I don't know what to tell you, man. <laughs> I, I don't have a problem with it. You're, you're, in you the, a, you're in the wedding. Well, I mean, if you're a fan that's griping about the game being on the ESPN Plus, go that to the game. doesn't bother me that much other than the fact that mm-hmm. like... It's five bucks a month. Yeah, mm-hmm. like I, I already have it. It doesn't bother me that much other than just the fact that like 
it's lower exposure, but this is a year where I kind of don't mind. So not as low as exposure as pac 12. So we still have that. I actually was in a hotel Saturday night that had pac 12 network, which was <laughs> nice. pretty awesome. That was pretty awesome. Uh, I was thinking on Saturday one who has the pac 12 network because I've had sling. It didn't have it. And now I have YouTube TV and it doesn't have it. Who has it? I just like points in Kansas city has it. That's who has it. Wow. We have to start booking some hotel reservations, <laughs> guys. Before we uh, before we move on to bets here, Oklahoma sitting at five and three on the year, three and two, or excuse me, two and three in conference play right now. Baylor at West Virginia, Oklahoma State at Texas Tech. I know, but last week I predicted them to go three and two over the last five, and I think you guys did the same. Mm-hmm. You still feel you still feel good about uh, Oklahoma going uh, what three and one these next two, two and two. Seeing Oklahoma State do what they did at Kansas State and the fact that we don't know what Spencer Sanders' health status is going to be when he comes to Norman in a few weeks, that makes me feel a little bit better about them finishing out the year four and one. But I'm still I'm still yeah. not super confident. Just because Oklahoma State looks weaker doesn't mean this team can't lose in Morgantown or in Lubbock. Yeah. Uh, so I still think it's safe to say, obviously one and oh heading it from last week. I still think it's safe to assume two and two the rest of the way they could very much lose to Baylor. They could very much lose to West Virginia. They could definitely could lose to Oklahoma state and they could lose to tech. Um, and so anything is possible. I think they win two of them and that I feel confident in that. I do think Oklahoma state is the swing game between three and two and four and one down the stretch. Yeah. I will say this though. They did exactly what they needed to coming out of that Texas game, beat Kansas, beat Iowa yep. state. They may end up being the two worst teams in the big 12, but you had to have that because now you just need one win to get to a bowl game. And that's the most important thing at this point, in my opinion, get those extra practices and have a chance to you know play an extra game for more development. And we're not far off from a certain bowl game scenario. That I don't know if OU fans would love or hate. Do you want it? No, I don't want it. <laughs> because uh, I, no way that we can slow down Caleb Williams. But I don't know if they can slow down us. That's the thing. I mean, they just gave up, what, 30-something, high 30 points, maybe even 40 to Arizona. What was that total last week? Oh, God, it was, what was Hang it, 45, I, it was 37 like, or something? Yeah, I, I think the total, total was like, like 82 before the game. Yeah. yeah. But I don't know. I trust their defense a little bit more. Thirty-seven to thirty-seven to Arizona. I I don't want to say I don't want to play him because I don't want to play against Caleb Williams. I mean, yes, that's partially true. But part of me wants that first matchup between OU and USC with you know Lincoln Riley versus Venables. I'd like for something more to be on the line than just an Alamo Bowl trophy. Like I wouldn't mind seeing it in a college football playoff or a New Year's Six Bowl uh, down the line. But I mean, I think no. that's why I disagree. I, I think that's where I disagree a little bit because, like, at least if we lose, it was just the Alamo Bowl. The uh, losing the year, quarterback the has year to blow after kisses. The fact, I, know. I, don't I know. wonder if he'd blow kisses to us again. <laughs> yeah, he probably would. He's <laughs> I mean, that type of guy. The the Sooner Scoop guys talked about it on the U forty podcast, but I, I think that. I think I would honestly look for, look more forward to the media coverage of the the OU beat writers covering Lincoln Riley and interviewing him more so than I would the actual game. So uh, that'd be fantastic content. We would have we'll, to find a way to I will crowdsource crowdfund a way for Eddie to be covering USC that week. It's got to happen. Well, I mean, guys, if correct me if I'm wrong, but in bowl game situations, both teams is media right. media guys have access to both teams so god that would be so fun can you um can you imagine eddie 
asking any of them. Can you imagine Carrie? Carrie called him a dick and almost got fired from his job, and is still blocked <laughs> on social media. I think. I was think he, he would have fun with it. He wasn't I, that wrong in hindsight. Well, we'll see. We'll I see. would. I would love to see it only if I could guarantee a win. I think a loss would be pretty miserable there. But I, I can tell you this: if that is the case and they end up playing, I'm not sure that we'll get approved for it. But we will. Uh, I, I will apply for a media <laughs> credential for this podcast. So we'll see if we'll, we'll see if one, if not all of us, can get out there because that would be just again. I'm not going to ask anything, but just to sit in that room to watch that. Oh, you you know Lincoln Riley does not want that. No, he does not. Yep. And and in San Antonio, I mean, that place is going to be what ninety percent crimson. Oh, if absolutely. Not, if not more, yeah, it would be. Absolutely. It would be. It may be the toughest atmosphere Lincoln's ever played in. Yep. No more stalling, Corbin. You got to tell us what your I record know. is. Here we My go. record is a shameful nineteen and twenty-six in our. Oh. Pretty brutal, guys. But you know what? I'm still only five games out. One week can turn this right back around. I've taken a new strategy, which I'm going to get into a little bit. I still think it's going to suck because my entire year has sucked. Um, but let's hop right into it. Adam leading the way, 24, 18, and 3. Tyler right behind him at 24 and 21. Uh, similar wins, but that tiebreaker on the pushes is putting Adam into first place. Adam, let's hop right into it. I'm going to have a hawk's eye on all of these lines uh, as we as we go through it. Um, Adam, kick us off. Yeah, Wake Forest minus four and a half at <clears throat> NC State. Got burned on a very similar line last week when the Deacons traveled out to Louisville. But there were seven turnovers in the third quarter that really swung things there. So I don't think that that's going to be able to happen again. The Wolfpack really struggled without Devin uh, O'Leary at quarterback against Virginia Tech. So I think the Deacons use this as a get-right game and are able to really handle the Wolfpack pretty easily. A brutal third quarter for Tyler on his first pick that is happening yeah. currently. Pick number one for me. I put it in the group chat earlier today. I wanted to get involved in Maction. I thought, you know what? Opening night, surely that this game between Ball State and Kent State is going to go over. 62 was the number. But as we sit here with 13 minutes left in the fourth quarter, it is a small 20-13 to 13 lead for ball state right now. So I'm going to start the, it looks like I'm going to start the year off or the week off. Oh, and one, but yeah, I took the over 62 uh, in round one of action. So you live and learn guys. Here's my strategy this week outside of one game. I am very much tired of one team screwing me over. And so I'm just going to start rooting for both. That is my strategy going forward. I have four overs on my board. Go sports, go football, go points. TCU Tech over 69 and a half. I feel like I'm going to win five this week, but at least I'm taking the overs. Uh, I, who knows? Yeah. 69 yeah. and a half. Let's go for it. Yeah. TCU screwed me last week on the, on the over under throwing a, that was throwing a beautiful. Yeah. Hey, I want to, I want to address one thing though. Cause I was not on the pod last week. My worst pick of the year taking Michigan was a half point off. I believe absolutely atrocious that that was the worst pick of the year. And if you're going to say something is the worst pick of the year, you better pick the other side. That's all I got to say. <laughs> I did consider a- picking the Spartans, but <laughs> I have to I have to stick with family there. Um, my number two on the board, I'm also going with a midweek game. I'm going to the Fun Belt, App State, minus three at Coastal Carolina. Coastal used to be uh, Liberty's rival, for those who didn't know, but uh, they're not the team that they have been in the past couple of years. They still have Grayson McCall, but not nearly as much weapons around him. So I think the Mountaineers can win this one by a little bit more than a field goal. Uh, 
Okay, go App State. Uh, pick number two for me, staying right here in the Big 12, Texas, traveling on the road to Manhattan to take on Kansas State. Guys, oddly enough, after coming off of a 48-0 win at home with your backup quarterback against a uh, one-loss Oklahoma State team, Kansas State is a two-and-a-half-point dog. So exp- I-, I have no idea. Vegas, you know, there's a reason, you know, Vegas didn't build those casinos uh, by by losing money. So um, I think that this line is probably too good to be true, but Texas coming off of a bye week, maybe that's why Vegas thinks that this is why uh, this game is uh, the spread that it's at right now. But for me, K-State at home, Manhattan's a tough, tough place to play. Um, I like the Wildcats plus two and a half. I like them outright. Do you like them no matter who their quarterback is? Yes. But I like I, him more if Will Howard's playing. Yeah. I thought this game was alarming and very strange when the opening line came out. It's even more alarming that now we're on Tuesday and it hasn't changed. That's one thing that I was like, I just got to stay away from it. So uh, going to my uh, beginning of the season playoff prediction, get me out to uh, South Bend, Clemson, Notre Dame. I'm with you. I'm very, feel very similar on this, Tyler. 45 and a half seems way too good to be true on that. So... I hope I'm pleasantly surprised. Give me the over again. Over 45 and a half, or excuse me, 44 and a half. Uh, Go points, go team. That's my second pick. For my number three, I'm taking an under. I've got West Virginia at Iowa State. Uh, 50 and a half here. And OU and Iowa State only went to 40 uh, this past weekend. I don't think West Virginia's offense is any better than OU's. And I think their defense is probably better than OU. So, I'm not sure how that gets to 50 and a half. It's a 2:30 kickoff, so surely that should hit the under. <laughs> Looks like there might be think? some rain in the forecast as well. So I've got the OU Baylor game on my card, but I'm gonna I'm gonna skip this one uh, to save it for pick number five, so that it'll lead right into our uh, score picks for the game. So pick number three for me, I'm going out to the same game as you, Adam. Tennessee traveling to Athens, take on Georgia, number one versus number three. Georgia is an eight point favorite right now as the at the line sits. I just don't. They're tra- they're I, trapping you. It, they're they're trapping you. <laughs> but at the same time, Tennessee's just kind of on a magical run. Hinden Hooker, this offense scoring almost fifty points a game. Eventually, the magic's going to run out and this balloon's going to pop. But I just don't trust Stetson Bennett enough to be able to keep up with this Tennessee offense to where he's going to outscore them by more than a touchdown in this one. So while I don't necessarily think that Tennessee's going to go on the road and beat Georgia. I think Tennessee is good enough to stay within the eight. And this could be a situation where Tennessee scores a touchdown late to backdoor this thing. So give me Tennessee plus eight. Who has the better defense in that game? Georgia. By how much? Well, is it is it by enough to, uh, to offset Tennessee's uh, offense versus uh, Georgia's offense? I don't know. I wonder how long Georgia's been preparing for this game, knowing that they had a bye week and a Florida team that wasn't all that great. And they didn't look great against Florida either, especially defensively. So yeah. that that line screams trouble. So good luck to you. I'm going to stick with the same game, though. Tennessee, Georgia, you know where I'm going, over 66. That scares me, too. That seems that seems to be true, right? You take, Would you say Tennessee, Georgia, over, over 66? 66? That seems too good to be true. Like both these teams are going to score 30, right? Yeah, uh, I, I don't know. I, I didn't I, want to touch it. I that, didn't want to touch it. I had that one on my board. I took it off for that exact reason. So 
Yeah. Uh, my number four, I'm going to Conference USA, the uh, Roadrunners of UTSA traveling on the road to the Blazers at UAB. UAB, a pretty good program, but not what they've been in recent years. They've lost several games. This is a one-point spread, so I'm going to take the Roadrunners there. Pick number four for me is staying right here in the Big 12. Oklahoma State traveling up to Lawrence to take on the Kansas Jayhawks. Still think Kansas is going to be uh, with their backup quarterback. OSU coming off of a, a uh, just humiliating loss on the road, 48-0 against the Wildcats. To me, OSU isn't going to lose to both Kansas schools this year. I'm not sure what the status is going to be of Spencer Sanders. I'd be shocked if he play if he doesn't play. If he does play, I don't. I do not feel good about this pick whatsoever. So I'm banking on Spencer Sanders playing. So give me OSU to cover the two points and get out uh, get a tight win on the road against the Jayhawks. My one and only non uh, over game here: Florida State versus Miami. Um, Again, another line that seems too good to be true. Miami's been really bad, can barely score. Florida State is at least a somewhat of a team. Give me the Knowles minus seven and a half. Um, I just don't trust Miami's offense. I think this this one will mean a little bit more to the Knowles. I was almost five and zero one week, and I trusted the troops. Oh no! And they let me down. I'm giving the troops a second chance here. <laughs> Prove yourself, troops. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but this is this is a troops versus troops game. I'm taking Oof. the over Air Force. It's actually uh, not uh, at Army. It's a neutral site game at uh, Globe Life Field in Arlington. Army has yet to actually play a game where they've hit the under of 40 points. So I know these two teams are going to run the ball quite a bit. Army's just not as good. And I think them being away from home, I think there's enough to get six touchdowns here between the two of them. Don't let me down, troops. Do not let me down. I'm counting on you. This is smart, though, because you're either going to hate all the troops or love all the troops. Smart to take the over rather than dividing yourself between the Air Force and Army. Just saying. I don't know if if it's (laughs) bravery or stupidity, the fact that Adam now has a problem with all branches of the United States military. (laughs) But we'll see. We'll see how this game goes on Saturday. If this game does not go over, uh, pray to God for Adam's reaction on next week's episode. But oh, yeah. uh, guys, pick number pick number five for me, and this will lead right into our OU Baylor score predictions. Baylor coming on the road to Norman this weekend, 2 o'clock kickoff on ESPN+. Baylor currently a three-and-a-half-point underdog. I typically try not to bet on the OU game unless it's just glaringly obvious to me, and for me, this is a line that is glaringly obvious. Um, I'm taking Baylor plus three-and-a-half. I just see this as being a game where Dylan Gabriel is going to be forced to to beat this Baylor Bears uh, defense with his arm. Not saying that he can't get it done, but I think that this has more to do with uh, my belief that Oklahoma is not going to have the ability for four quarters to stop Baylor's rushing attack, uh, along with Blake shaping through the air. So I'm picking Baylor plus three and a half on my bets in my final score prediction. I think Baylor comes into Norman and beats Oklahoma 38 to 28. Can't even finish my picks. Give me out to the Pac-12. Um, Cal USC. I've got the over oh. of 60. So close, Tyler. We're, we're due for one of these. You've been pretty good this year about staying on task. So this is, uh, yeah, it'll be forgiven. I think the only way that this doesn't hit the over is if USC lands quite a few turnovers, which is certainly possible against Cal. But I do think both teams will put up enough points to hit that over. Uh, I'll go ahead and hop right into me uh, to my Picks here for OU Baylor before we shift to Adams. It's Tyler. Just went ahead and went rogue. Uh, 35-28, Baylor Bears. I don't think this team is 
ready to face a competition that is as tough on both sides of the ball as what Baylor's going to bring to the table. I think Baylor's found something. I get they blew out Tech. Tech's not very good. I understand that. But going into uh, you know a road game with a lot of confidence, and I think that it's going to carry over. So give me the Bears, 35-28. Yeah, I look at this game, and I, I really think the offense is not the, the problem with this team. <clears throat> that's, that's very obvious. I think they have enough to win but I think they have to be perfect. And that's kind of how that team was constructed in 2018, 2017, maybe even some of 2019. And I just don't think that this offense has the ability to be perfect, even though they'll be playing at home with some momentum on their side. I just, I just don't see it. Um, So I've got Baylor 30, OU 24. I think that the defense gets exposed again, Um, may not be crazy yardage or crazy point totals, but I think, they're just not going to be able to stop that running attack from the bears. And um, in turn, I, I think it's going to be another loss for OU guys. Is it, is it a, or I guess Adam, I'll throw this over to you since this was your prediction. Is it a bad day for Oklahoma? If they're able to hold Baylor to 30 points or below, is that an indictment on how bad the defense is? Or is that a situation where, if OU holds Baylor to 30 with that with that offense and how good that they are, is that more of an indictment on the defense that OU was unable to win this game, even holding the Bears to 30 or less? Yeah, I think it'll be a bad defensive performance. Um, to get to 30 points, I mean, that's three field goals and three touchdowns if I'm doing my yeah. math right. So that is six yeah. scoring drives for the Bears. I think they'll hold, be able to hold onto the ball quite a bit with the way they run the ball. I think this OU offense – we'll probably see them get on and off the field pretty quickly. You know, quick three and outs, 20 seconds taken off the clock and, and yeah. what we've All seen right. in the past. So bonus bonus or go ahead, Corbin. I think this will feel exactly like the K state game. Yeah. Not, not having the ball enough, missing an opportunity. And all of a sudden you're chasing, yep. chasing the, the bears at that point. Yeah. Tennessee, Georgia. Uh, let's see. You pick Tennessee plus eight. So I'm going to pick Georgia to win in a blowout. I no, actually don't. No. Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually, I'm not tuned off to that happening. This feels weird. And it, eight points is a lot. Why is Tennessee an eight point underdog? It makes no sense to this me. Has, I th- Vegas thinks Georgia's going to win big. This has a very similar feel to another SEC team playing extremely well going into the game against Alabama. The media, Vegas is giving this team a chance. And then Alabama reminds everybody why they're Alabama. I think that this could be a situation where Georgia comes out and I, I don't know. I, I could see Georgia blowing them out is more likely than Tennessee blowing them out. I guess I'll say that. Oh, sure. And you know what? If Tennessee loses, that's probably better for them in the playoff scenario. Just don't lose by more than 10 points probably. And they're sitting pretty. They can win out the rest of their games. Don't have to go to the SEC championship game and, mm-hmm. and take another body blow from, from Alabama. They're in the playoffs at that point. Is Alabama in trouble this week? No. Any any concern about going on the road to Baton Rouge? No. LSU's playing better. What's yeah. is is this a night is this a night game? I think it is. It is. Okay, and they will be Bama's tested. coming off a bye week, so Okay. They'll be tested. I'm, I'm not, not too worried there, yeah. I just, I just don't know uh, if I trust Jalen Daniels yeah. arm enough to to keep up with Bryce Young's group. So six o'clock. We'll take. It's yep. central. It's gonna, be, it's gonna be fun. Hopefully A and M loses this week. Three and six, baby. Let's 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 get it going. Keep keep dropping bags. Let's do it. It's happening. 
If you made it this far, drop us a review wherever you listen to your podcast. Let us know if you're enjoying the show. And we definitely appreciate the interaction on Twitter. Make sure to follow us there at the Mainline Pod. Check out our YouTube. Uh, I'm working on a, on a new video for Bedlam. We'll see oh if we'll see if that comes to fruition. So you'll you'll want to make sure you're tuned in for that one. Kale so, Gundy special guest. Kale Gundy special guest. You're you're you're, you're right. Um, in, in a well, USC dry fit. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's going to do it. Fun. Oof, man. That's going to do it for us this week here on the Mainline Podcast. Appreciate everyone listening, and we will see everyone again next week. Bye.